Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, as if we never left, it's the Black Psychologist Podcast, episode 33. I'll be one of your humble and gracious hosts this evening, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am him. And of course, I'm never by myself. He walks down the aisle in style and profile. The one and only Dr. Jason Coleman. What's going on, good brother? What's going on, man? Happy early Thanksgiving to you, man. Yes, 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 sir. Thank you, sir. Happy, happy Thanksgiving Turkey Day to you also, man. Uh, here we are, man. We towards the end of the month already. How about that? Yeah, man, it's crazy, right? Moving right along. Um Holiday season is here, you know, in the mall, you can't eat. They skip right over Thanksgiving. They already on the, on the Christmas, but um, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving in this house. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. You got to get that turkey ready, baby. It's turkey and football all day. Yeah, man, I got to eat, man. What else beside the turkey? Which, which, which was the first place, your first stop? Is it mac and cheese or yams? What? What is it? Definitely mac and cheese. You ain't even got to say no more. Mac and cheese after right. that, bro. That's it. I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it. I'm... I'm a, I'm definitely gonna stop make a stop at that mac and cheese, man. You know, and then you know I'm ahead. I, I know people. This is gonna be controversial, man. But I'm ahead and get me a piece of salmon or something, man. You know, I, I'm not a big turkey person, man. For real, man. Look, salmon is uh salmon's the way to go. You know, my first love is is the turkey. Like I live off of leftovers. Like anybody that knows yeah. me will tell you, I live off of leftovers. Like. They get tired of looking at it. I'm I'm on it throughout the weekend. From Thursday to Sunday, I'm on the turkey or the leftovers. I'm good for the weekend. I mean, listen, Thanksgiving, though, I'm definitely going to get me some rice and gravy, a little turkey, some greens, though. You know, definitely. But Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm making turkey sandwiches, bro. I'm eating all that stuff throughout the whole weekend. <laughs> like, you know, my daughter's looking like that. I, I can't eat that anymore. Like, by Saturday, she's sick of it. And I'm like, nah, I'm, this, is, this is all me right here. Now, I'm with her on that. I got, like two, three days in, in me tops, like, like put it like this, like the sweet potato pies, like my mother gave me those, you know, I could rock out with those for up to like a week almost, you know, but anything other, if it ain't dessert, two, three days, man, I'm ordering pizza, bro. Oh, I'm on the itis all day, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, so uh, absolutely, episode 33, want to also wish everybody out there also uh, an early Thanksgiving or Turkey Day. Um, or indigenous holiday or what have you um absolutely want people to definitely be safe um as you're traveling to wherever you're going to be going you know friends giving all these other different you know um events that are going to be taking place people coming to see each other because last year was definitely a tough year for a lot of people they weren't able to um you know gather with the family and friends due to the the, the due to covid so uh, we want everybody to be safe, and uh, we appreciate also everybody listening and watching. You know, episode thirty-three. Appreciate everybody's support. We definitely see the comments, we see the feedback. 
Um, so continue to subscribe, continue to share, continue to, you know, tell others, to run and tell a friend, everything. Um, but we definitely appreciate the support. Definitely. Um, always, you know, we always want to thank anybody who takes the time out of their week to listen. Um, and just want to tell everybody, you know, make sure that you uh, prioritize your mental health. All right, let's rock. Absolutely. All right. We got a lot on the docket, so let's get to it. All right. First and foremost, Jay. So a Yale study finds that minority patients with anxiety and depression are more likely to want doctors that share their culture. So through this study, they found that black, Asian and Hispanic patients with anxiety or depression are more likely to want clinicians who are culturally competent compared to white patients with similar conditions. So they said that the study found that that while minority patients have a desire for culturally competent physicians, they have less access to them. Now, the survey also asked patients to self-report how often they get physicians or clinicians who understand their culture. Black patients are 44% less likely to report frequently uh, seeing culturally uh, competent physicians compared to white patients, according to the study. All right. What, uh, what were your thoughts as you, re- you read through this article? Um, I mean, you know, this isn't really new to, you know, to, to a lot of us. Um, it's been well documented, well studied in terms of especially those two cultures and other cultures, but the stigma of mental health in general, but especially when we talk about depression and anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just some common beliefs, you know, if we talk about, you know, popular culture or African-American culture is like, you know, whether depression makes you weak, whether it means you can't handle, you know, your responsibilities, whatever, you know, type of um, generalizations people may draw, um, you know, that kind of perpetuate the negative stigma. So we can understand how, why the question is there, right? Why people would study, why, and and why the patients would want, um, you know, doctors, mental health professionals of color. I think it's two things to say, right? One, they said the access isn't there, right? So a lot of these patients, you know, in spite of it, they're still getting good care, you know, from, you know, practitioners of other colors, right? Um, so they're still getting good. Some of them are still getting good care. Um, but it's important for us to recognize why, you know, this is important, right? Because of the stigma. The second part, I'll just say, um, and then I want to hear your, your, your kind of um, opinion is, this is important because representation matters, right? So when people stand up and they say that and we push these STEM programs in high school, right? It's not it's not just because, you know, um, we want more or we want more than we more than we um deserve, right? Like it starts that young, right? We're getting our, our kids involved and interested in math and science and you know, these different areas and things like that. Um, And just to say, like, this article said, right, like these patients are less likely to engage in treatment initially and stay in treatment. So it's that important. Right. So we know there's the stigma. We know it's going to affect whether somebody even starts and retention rates. You know what I mean? Um, And yet you still have people when we when when people are trying to gather support for underrepresented groups in STEM programs or in different areas you know, people kind of push back at it, you know, um, like it's another thing, like it's like it's affirmative action. Right. right. But this is the result. Right. But in every 
every mental health center you go in, right? Even the ones where there's no black people working there and all of the clients are urban, are, are, are urban youth, right? Um, you're going to find some type of brochure about diversity, correct? And yeah. cultural competence, right? Because they have to include it, right? So I'm just going to say, I'm going to leave it there. Like um, representation matters, right? And people don't like to hear it, um, but it's a fact. Yeah, you, you said something really important with, you know, people don't come due to that long held beliefs about stigma. Stigma is a big thing. And also, I feel like the cultural competence is it's undervalued because I don't think they're aware of, one, you have like language barriers that can also exist in things. Right. But that lack of cultural awareness is what poses as another barrier, right? Because I don't think they understand or fully comprehend how important culture plays in a huge part of someone's mental and physical health, right? Like your culture, it informs your view of mental health, mental health t- treatment, right? Because depending on your culture, there might be these pre-existing kind of views that people have about right. mental health, right? And then it also your culture also affects the way you communicate with your health care provider, right? Whether it's medical, whether it's mental or mental health, like there is a certain way that cultures communicate. So, you know, that also goes into whether that person's going to come into that office or whether they're not going to. Right. Another thing that, you know, health, I mean, not healthcare, that our culture is, it also determines or it informs the way we interpret communication from our healthcare provider, right? So what, you know, your therapist or what your clinician is going to say to you, you know, our culture kind of informs is going to really have an impact on how we perceive or how we receive that information. So it's like when you're working with someone that lacks that cultural competency, like it's most definitely going to have an impact on the care that the person's getting or that they're receiving, or if they even seek out care at all you know what i mean oh absolutely man um and you and listen in this article there was the medical student was talking about i she said something to the effect don't kill me if i don't get it exactly right but she was like we don't even spend a month or we only spend a month or a month or two talking about like patients from different cultural backgrounds right um and again this this is the medical student right saying this right um, and it, again, it matters, right? Because what we see is it's going to matter in terms of how people interact with the patients, right? And we see this in terms of studies playing out in the retention rates, right? And all we can do, if we go back to the statistics, we talked about this like a month or so ago. Um, but again, APA will tell you 4% of, of psychologists are African-American, right? Um, so if we know that the, that, you know, the culture of the person is sitting in front of you is going to affect a, whether you go there initially and B, whether you come back, you know, then there has to be more than just uh, a push that's quote unquote lip, lip service, you know, to get, um, you know, more practitioners of color, whether that be, you know, doctors, you know, psychologists, medical doctors, whatever the case may be, because what, see, this is the thing, like, you know, um, We'll, we will see the numbers play out in these particular areas because medicine and psychology are like areas where people, you know, study, you know what I mean? But this, this 
has to permeate a lot more areas of, of life than this. You know what I mean? Um, it touches a lot of different areas in terms of representation um, and how that implement, how, how that affects service ultimately. So it's an important thing, you know? And that's why that, that representation is important. I mean, I'm sure you've been at places that function, social gatherings or what have you, and people have asked you, hey, you know, I've gotten a question like, is it okay for me to look for a therapist or a clinician or a doctor or whoever that looks like me? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's totally okay for you to look for right. a therapist that looks like you that shares the same culture as you or that has somewhat similar life experiences. You know, it may take time, but the process is worth it. Like you, even from our experiences, having a therapist with a similar background can help build that rapport, right? And, you know, it makes that individual that much more comfortable. Um, and if they're comfortable, then that's going to create the framework for a trusting therapeutic relationship. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, people of color, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, um, people of color have struggled with racial trauma. They've struggled with and experienced race-based traumatic stress. So, you know, and that takes a toll on physically and emotionally. Um, and so, you know, they might want to talk about their, their grief and their anger with a therapist or a clinician that looks like them, that they feel is going to have a better idea or more of an understanding and what they've experienced. I mean, listen, the only thing I would say, um, I agree with you. Um, the only thing I would add is, you know, representation doesn't just end at like the person that's standing in front of you, right? It also, it also kind of touches on like the tools that we use, right? I was reading an article, um, or looking at a news story a couple of weeks ago, and it was a, a, a young black medical student and I, I guess his focus or his passion is dermatology. And he created his own um, handbook of common disorders, right? And how they look on brown skin because it wasn't available, right? And if we look at our field, right, there are plenty of tools that we use that everybody uses every day. And, and you know, all of the samples aren't as culturally as representative as we would like. You understand what I'm saying? For everything. So... We all we got to look from the that's from the inside, too, you know, um, so representation matters across the board. Um, and again, you know, it's just one of these things that um, when you get more people in position to make kind of those decisions, you know, um, then not only can you have, you know, more representative kind of faces, you know, that are actually providing the service, but everything starts to change. Right. The tools that you use, you know, all of those type of things. No, totally. I'm happy you mentioned that because um, as there's work that we do, like on the clinician end, because, you know, for us to remain, especially in our field, to remain culturally and linguistically competent clinicians, you know, we have to continue to invest in like gaining our own cultural knowledge. Like it's not going to just be enough just because we're black and we can just kind of sit there and be like, all right, we're cool. We're, we're going to vibe and we're going to do this. Like, no, we have to continue to ongoing. Like the same way how you said that um, that physician, that dermatologist, he had to invest, he had to do research, he had to do things that was gonna be helpful for the population that he's serving. So it's like the same way how we have to be, we have to have, get that cultural knowledge about um, the population that we're serving, right? We have to be aware of our own cultural values. We have to be aware of our assumptions, our biases, and how these are factors, like how these factors are gonna f affect the service that we provide. Our, our clients. So 
like absolutely we it's on both ends right it's like you want patients who if you want a therapist or a clinician that looks like you absolutely invest that time it's not going to be easy because um there aren't that many of us like you said it's only four percent you know right. as it currently stands and that you know it's on our end as clinicians to remain culturally compliant i mean competent and continue to invest continue to you know do all these other different things that we can do. So when that person does finally find someone like us, we're able to use those tools that you mentioned to help them, you know, on their journey. Right. And I just, you know, before we move on, it's just, but it, you know, and that's why I started this conversation by saying what I'm saying, you know, the numbers are the numbers, right? So finding a, a, a clinician uh, or a practitioner of a certain color should be of the utmost importance if that's what's important to you. But it, but it should not be a reason that you neglect getting care. Absolutely. Um, it takes time, man. You know, that's one thing we definitely want to be honest with people that it takes time to find a clinician that's going to be a good fit, right? That checks off those boxes that, like we talked about, well, you know, you'll be comfortable sitting in front of that person. So um, you owe it to yourself the same way you want to make sure you're finding a clinician that's going to be right for you and your needs and things. So, um, Absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's like you said, with the with the APA and hopefully there are more and more clinicians of color coming down the pike that are going to be culturally competent. They're going to be able to help people um, in need, because as we're getting ready to talk about with these next couple topics that we're, we're discussing, uh, there's a need for it. For sure. You know, there's a big need for it. So, um Unfortunately, um, I don't even really know how to really properly, you know, introduce this. Um, you know, recently we, you know, hip hop had uh, a tremendous, terrible loss. Um, you know, music artist uh, Young Dolph, unfortunately, um, passed away recently. Um, was was unfortunately was. Um, was killed in his home city of Memphis. Uh, so millions of fans across the world are, are, are reeling with the news um, of his recent death. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, while he was outside or while he was visiting a, a local bakery in his hometown, he was he was um, shot and killed. And um, this has been difficult. This is this has been very tough. Um, the city of Memphis, in particular, um, even though I know he has fans all across the world, but the city of Memphis absolutely is. Um, has been rocked by this event. Um, and it's a tough loss. You know, the, the, you know, he epitomized Memphis, that grit, that grind culture that attracted a lot of things, a lot of thousands of fans um, all across the city, young and old. And, um, you know, a lot of Memphians, I think I'm saying that right, are, um, are feeling or experiencing grief. You know, they're experiencing grief and despair um, when you see one of your own, um, you know, when something like this happens. And so uh, what's been taking place is that, you know, in the wake of this tragedy, the city has, um, you know, come together um, as well as as, um, as they can, kind of given the circumstances. And um, there's a local nonprofit that is offering uh, free mental health counseling for, um, for a lot of their residents. Um, 
that are dealing with this. Cause you know, it's a lot of six degrees of separation with him. A lot of people were connected to him in that city. He did a lot of great things for that city. So, um, when this came across your desk, uh, Jay, what, what came to mind for you? Uh, I mean, listen, we, you know, like we talked about this, um, of course, this is beyond unfortunate. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Right. Um, I like, again, now this article was kind of talking about the mental health impact on young fans. Right. Mm. Um, I totally understand that. Um, rap music is different, man. Like, and, and what I mean by that is like, whether you love it or you, or you hate it, you know what I mean? Um, do you, most of these rappers that make it out of these cities, we talking about like Memphis, Newark, Baltimore, Compton. When I mean there's an authenticity to their story, is what I mean is like the language, the culture, you know, the people they talking about. It's local in the sense that you're really talking about rags the richest stories for for a lot of these people, right? So what I'm saying is what comes to that is. What comes with that is literally having a city or a neighborhood on your back in the sense that people are going to feel that closeness to you. You know what I mean? If they used to see you at the store or if they, or, or if they watched your, your grind, even if it's from a distance. So the fans are going to feel that too, right? Um, so you're going to have people from their neighborhood who, you know, have watched your evolution and are proud of you and are looking at it like this is one of us that made it out. And so it's that much harder to stomach. And then the fact that we have the internet now and the fact that rap is one of the only genres that you gotta be authentic or you can't sell for a lot of people or you gotta lie about it, right? Um, so because of that, people get a front row seat to your life. So they feel like they know you, right? Because they're gonna see you struggle. They're gonna see you do bad. You know what I mean? They're going to see you do good. And part of the authenticity of rap music is laying all of that on the, is on the line. All you got to do is listen to Biggie Smalls, Everyday Struggle. It's all there. You know what I'm saying? The good, the bad, the ugly, right? So when you, when you have a genre of music like that, and we're going to talk about the other side of it, you know, it, it brings the fans in so close that when somebody dies, like they feel like they lost somebody close to them. You know, so I, I definitely understand the loss. Um, when you look at it from a bigger picture, black males, the United States, 20 times more likely to be killed by a gun age 15 to 34. And we're 2% of the United States population. You know what I'm saying? 37% of gun homicides last year was black males between the age of 15 and 34. So, it, and, and the bigger question that everybody has to remember is everybody, whether it be Mo3, King Von, Tupac Shakur, Biggie Smalls, Young Dolph, like they all had kids. They all had sons and daughters right. that have nobody now. They have family members, but they don't have a father. So... There's, there's a residual effects. The same way we was talking about the caregivers, you know, in the COVID issue, right? All of those caregivers gone. And I was telling you, like, I feel bad for them, but I'm worried about the kids. You know, and this is the same thing, man. So I didn't mean to drag on about it, but 
it's just uh, um, it's very unfortunate, um, you know, um, and we, we can kind of talk about it a little bit more. But, yeah, yeah. that's a lot. I know it's a big answer. But, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. That's the, you know, the ripple effect. Like you said, it's not just the rap artist. Like, yeah, a lot of us know him through his music. But, you know, there's a whole personal and community aspect of it. Like you said, it's not, you know, this is the life of a father husband man that also championed you know his community like he was well known for doing so many different charitable events i mean he was in the city for because he was doing like the food giveaway right that was his sole reason why he was in the city right and then you also got to think about because the, the manner in which this happened you know this happened at a bakery so now you know you got the the owners or the workers that were in the bakery when it happened, right? So they're, they've experienced trauma, right? So you got traumatized employees and now the community, um, this is community trauma because it's affecting, you know, like you said, this is someone that they see that grew up in the area. You see someone that looks like you who came from the same situation that you're currently in, um, that this person basically pulled themselves up you know, by their own bootstraps, by their own grit or whatever to get out of there and, you know, to become successful, just doing something positive. And, you know, to, for this man, for this to happen in this manner, again, this is that community trauma. And, you know, the city is, is they're feeling a collective grief, you know, after seeing, you know, the news and then you see, like, like so we got social media. So the, the footage gets out of like, you know what I mean? The assailants coming in and, and it's like, it's, you know, you don't have to be the direct victim um, or even be there at the bakery to be traumatized. Like, you know, firsthand, like there's secondary aspect of it. And that's what a lot of this, that whole community um, is experiencing from as a result of that direct trauma. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm happy that um, the community is offering that, that you know, um, through the nonprofit is offering, you know, the, the mental health care. For individuals because like you said they this affected people young and old so you got students and you got people that are going to be going to school you got folks that are older that kind of grew up listening or kind of came up with young dog the same thing so this is so many different areas so yeah. many different ways it's branched out but listen man it's just not the problem is and i don't have no kids but it's just not it's not fair to our kids right because see this is the thing after a while, and I know, like, they become desensitized to death, right? Because I still remember where I was at in my room in 1996 when Angie Martinez came on the, on the, on the radio talking about Tupac was dead, right? Because that, I'm going to just be honest. That's how authentic his music was to me. I thought I felt like I knew him, right? And what I'm saying is I just talked to my nephew two years ago about Pop Smoke was his favorite rapper. You know what I'm saying? I remember being 19, 20 in my 20s, and it was, I'm gonna date myself, but we driving around listening to CDs or whatever. You got the carousel. And I was like, man, everybody in my carousel is dead. Everybody I'm listening to is dead. Right. And it's crazy because 20 years later, I'm 40 years old, and, and I'll be being, I was in the gym the other day, and the same thing was happening. Right. But these aren't even guys that are my age they're babies right they 25 20 so my my thing is like and these kids are having to deal with that so 
what they're internalizing is like these are these are the rappers, right? These are the, the millionaires that are supposed to have made it out, right? Um, they got to deal with this at a at a very young age, and it's just, you know, again, it's another weight that culturally, you know, our kids got to deal with that everybody else doesn't have to deal with, right? What other groups got to they sit around and and their major artists they're listening to? Oh yeah, yeah, he's dead. It's it's not it's not necessarily normal. It's normal to us, you know what I mean? But it's not normal, you know. Um, it's so normal to us that in the nineties, by the nineties, I'm not saying it was a living color, but you know, they were doing skits about another rapper getting shot. It was so normal to us. No, nah, you're right. It's, it's the, the shared trauma is, you know, it's, it's normalized the gun violence in, in our community. Right. That's, that's what, what's taking place. And it's a burden that we shouldn't have to bear especially the kids where they're, you know, of a certain age, young certain age, and they've already kind of normalized it. Right. Um, and it's happening in so many different areas. You know, it's, it's feel like it's, it's been a tough month for, you know, for the hip hop community in terms of, you know, you know this just took place. Um, and in a different tragedy, we have um, the events at Astro World. Right. right. So for, for those um, that aren't aware um, of what took place at Astroworld. Astroworld um, is, um, is, is a music festival headlined by Travis Scott. Um, and a couple weeks ago, tragedy struck that festival where um, there was a stampede. People, folks broke through the gate and they, they, you know, they pushed their way through. And it was just, um, you know, I, I think the, the count is that nine people have passed away, unfortunately. I think the youngest right. being nine or 10 years old, unfortunately. Um, another 300 and something people um, were injured and hospitalized. Um, and, you know, it's it's happening at so many different areas. And, and similar to, um, you know, what was taking place in Memphis as far as like the aid, uh, Travis Scott had announced that um, those that had attended the concert, um, including the nine people um, that have passed away, like their families um, and some of the other concert goers, would be eligible for um, free month of BetterHelp. And, and BetterHelp is an app, it's a therapy app that offers counseling through text, through phone, and through video conversations. Um, and, um, you know, there was a lot of criticism that came along with that. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with therapy app. I mean, with, with better help. I know, um, I know the way Travis was, um, he had partnered with them and was kind of sponsoring it through like one-on-one therapy through like a limited time. I think for like four, four weeks, four or five weeks, I think he's offering the services for people, um, that needed, um, I think he's he's also going to be working with uh, the National Alliance of Mental Illness and Mental Health America to further provide help to anyone that was harmed during the headlining performance at Astro World. But I mean, this is this is tragic, man. I mean, like this is uh, some some of the footage you know that I saw. Yeah. Um, man, I mean that's like. It's a worst nightmare. I mean, you, you and I have, we, we've attended concerts, you know, we've attended, you know, various festivals. Um, 
And that that is the worst case scenario. Like that is the worst outside of, of you know, a shooting taking place at a concert. Um, like this is right up there. This is the next worst thing where all all mayhem and chaos just breaks loose. And you you have a limited space of people, but you have so many people and you know, this is what took place. So, you know, with the, you know, um, the help that, that, that Travis is, is offering, you know, what what's your take? Uh, I'm going to be completely honest, right? Um, I'm not completely decided how I feel about this, right? Because the article is about, you know, kind of basically therapists being resistant to kind of dismiss the offer, right? Now we all we can understand why th- why therapists would not be resistant to dismiss the offer, right? Because they're going to be like some therapy is better than no therapy. You know what I mean? Um, now with that out the way, the reason why I say I don't really know how I feel about it is because obviously I'm assuming you're asking me about like the genuineness of this, you know, um, of, of this offer. I think it's tone deaf right um and that's what i got written at the top of my paper like tone deaf because it's too early it's way too early right um i think put it like this i think that he would have been much better he would have served himself much better right if he would have took a whole bunch of money right went and found a therapy service or found something like that, prepaid for it, right? Didn't say anything and let them advertise it, right? right? Yeah. And then a year down the line, during the trial, whatever you find out, Travis Scott went and offered this service or his people set this up, right? Anybody who wants therapy, will take care of it for as long as you need, right? Mm-hmm. He's that rich. No, no, yeah. yeah. Right? Um. But again, I think the reason why I say tone deaf is because some people, I don't know him, but some people who are in that position are used to kind of being in control, right? So they're used to throwing money at a problem and fixing it a lot of the time, right? And this is what it kind of sounds like is throwing money at a problem, right? Um, And it sounds like a bunch of people got in the room and it was like, this is how we can kind of help you and help your brand at the same time, Right. right? And then that doesn't work because People go do research for 15 minutes and they find out that the same free month that you're offering people, you know, who are handling dead bodies and seeing people trample to death in front of them, they have offered to just businesses that just use the service. It's like a coupon. Yeah. So if Macy's employees use the service, you get one month for free. You know what I mean? So obviously when stuff like that starts trickling out, now you look like a snake oil salesman. You know what I mean? Um, so there's some problems with the rollout at the very least, yeah. you know? Um, it, it comes off icky, man. It comes off, you know, um, it did like it. That's what I'm saying. Like the, I totally agree in the sense of like the rollout or the way it was presented. Like there may be some good intentions. I I, I can't, you know, speak to that. Cause I don't know Travis. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like of course um, they had to go into damage control. Right. They had to go into that real quick. I just feel like, you know, it just kind of came off icky because, like you said, it's like a partnership. It's like a celebrity kind of jumping into a partnership days 
or like right after a tragedy is taking place and it feels like, you know, like, like you said, if, if he would have been like, hey, this is what's available, like it's just been, ah, it's just like the rollout. It just, like, honestly, it just seems like. Like, like disingenuous, you know? Listen, you got a lot of people that are going to be dealing with a lot of trauma for a long time, right? These aren't, and I'm speculating, totally speculating at this point, but, you know, you're going to be people that that might be dealing with anxiety, you know what I mean? PTSD symptoms, you know, things like that. You're not going to have people that, these are, these are going to be challenges that may take a, a significant length of time to deal with is what I'm trying to say. Right. So again, I understand what you're, what you mean, what you're saying. Right. Um, but when you're trying to, I guess, show that you care about a situation, I think the, the right response would have been to uh, send condolences out to the family. Right apologize. And I, and I know this doesn't sound good in terms of his lawyers, right? But apologize for it happening in the first place and then do what you got to do behind the scenes to set up the services and step and then step away and let your people talk about it, you know, but, just, you know. Like the, the limitations he put on it, like you said, it comes off like a coupon. Because it's it, it was a coupon. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. come off like a coupon. Because it's like it's a limited time only. Right. So it's like, hey, come now or act now and you can get four weeks free on us. Right. And it's like, all right. Um, I don't know how much he actually spoke with like the better at people or like spoke to the clinicians as far as like because, you know, and I know trauma manifests differently for different people, depending on what did you just did you just say to me? You don't know how long Travis Scott spoke to the better app people or the clinicians. You want me to tell you? He didn't speak to them. He didn't speak to them. And so that's the thing. Like, and, and it's and that's and it's very it's, it's very evident. Right? <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> it's very evident for the reason that you're putting restrictions on things. Like, it's trauma. This, these right. people experience trauma to various degrees. Right. All right. So if you're going to offer help, you have to you offer help. You don't put restrictions and say, hey, it's only for four weeks, um, limited time only. And um, yeah, it's like, here's help. Okay. Then this is where it's located. It's it's taken care of. It's, you know, but again, that comes from having a conversation. Right. Or even even not you, your people and saying, hey, if we're going to offer this, we have to come correct. Right. We just have to offer help, not in a sense of, all right, you can get this. But but hey, you get, you better act now, because if you don't and it's also for it's only four sessions. The rest is on you guys. But so it's just. <sighs> listen, man, I, and, and in all seriousness, like and, you know, I wasn't trying to make light of this at all. If my tone sounded a certain way, it's because it's absurd to me. Right. But children was killed. You know, I, I have certain questions of why kids were even at a concert where I'm supposing it was probably alcohol and a whole bunch of other activities going on. And I have issues with that, but it's not the time to talk about that. Um, but this was like a big tragedy, man, like 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 children died as a result of this. Right. Um, and again, not one time did I blame him 
for it. You know, like I said, I'm undecided in terms of all of those facts will come out. Right. Um, and we're not detectives, so I'm not trying to do that. Um, but we're talking about the reaction. Right. And in my opinion, like when you have a situation like this that obviously got out of control and children are, are dead. Right. You know, I heard a story where one of the men woke up, had his kid on his shoulders, woke up and his son was in the ICU. Right. And I don't even know if he's still with us. But my point is the appropriate reaction is to show empathy, you know, um, offer your condolences, try to offer some mental health support, you know, um, and step back and step away. Right. Um, because, you know, there's going to be a time of grief for people um, and what they don't want, at, you know, after what people don't want after they experience trauma or extreme loss is to be part of like your commercial. Yeah. Or to feel rushed, right? To feel right. forced to, hey, I got to act now to get help. If I don't, then I'm going to be, I'm SOL. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it definitely um, could have been handled a lot differently with, with more care. I mean, I, and I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to, you know, chop it up any more than that. So, you know, we'll see. Um, especially, like you said, as more information comes out, something to continue to monitor. Um, but I am happy as far as for the young Dolph situation um, that you have a community that is, you know, looking to support, you know, its residents given the tragedy that they just experienced. So um, we'll see, man. We'll talk later, man, because I think I think like we've gotten to the point where we should probably do, you know, you know, explore that topic a little bit in a little bit more depth. Right. In terms of the authenticity part. You know, when it comes comes to to rap music, right? Because we spend a lot of time talking about. Um, well, I don't, don't want to fully get into it, but I think we should talk later because I think that's something we should explore, man. Because you know, um, there's a lot of a uh, uh, death, you know, a lot of a lot of trauma being experienced, and you know, um, it, it's having an impact, right, on how these kids view death in general, how they view their lives, you know, um, you know, and other, a whole bunch of other things. So we, we'll talk about it later. I don't want to get off on a tangent. Most definitely. All right. So TikTok. All right. TikTok is my therapist. All right. So on TikTok, we see some of these short viral clips that are spreading about various um, as it pertains to mental health, various disorders like ADHD awareness and all these other different things. And it's building community. Um, you know, it's destigmatizing mental health. However, they're also perpetuating stereotypes, kind of ignoring comorbidities and encouraging self-diagnosis. So, Jay, these are some of the statements or some of the quotes, right, that you'll see, you know, through different threads, you know, on TikTok. Watching this made me think that I might have ADHD. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I think I might need to get checked. Do I call out my doctors or what? Right. And this is just that's just a little sample of some of the uh, quotes or some of the threads that, you know, that people comment on. So, you know, is uh, so this this platform that was, you know, originally built for dance videos, um, but has become a source of information. Um, you know, is it risk? Is it helpful? Um, where where do we stand, especially as we go forward? Because TikTok is only getting larger, right? It's only growing. So um, 
What's your first? I think that it's ironic that you you went two minutes talking about TikTok and you didn't promote yourself because <laughs> you're a TikTok star, right? <laughs> so, and star and star is a strong word, you know. Nah, man. You know, I'm out there a little bit, you know. Nah, man, I saw you in the last video with that tie wrapped around your head, man. You saw that? Yeah. <laughs> nah, but um, seriously though, like reading this article, okay, like. You know, it, it, there is some positive aspects to it in terms of um, awareness, you know, community support, as they were talking about mm-hmm. reducing stigma. Right. So that's a good thing always. Um, but there is some obviously some risk. Um, the number one risk being that you don't know who's giving you the information. Right. Um, <laughs> that could be a big risk. Right. Um, they talked a lot in this article about like over diagnosis, right? And misdiagnosis and diagnosing yourself, right? And I have a feeling um, that there's a lot of that that may be going on as a result of these channels, Um, you know, but it's good and bad. Like you have to, I don't wanna say look at it in moderation, right? Because even if you're looking at somebody who's giving you bad information in moderation is, is bad regardless. Um, but what I, I guess what I mean is there is a limit, right? Like if you're looking at something just for purely informational purposes um, and then, you know, uh, if your symptoms or something reaches a certain level to get a professional opinion, um, then I don't think it's really any different than, you know, uh, listening to anybody give their opinion on something on YouTube. Right. Um, but when you start using it as kind of a substitute as for intervention, that's where the problem comes in. Right. Uh, Definitely. I mean, it it ranges from uh, misinformation, right? You'll have people that'll say, they'll they'll make loose claims that celebrities have this disorder, right? Or what this, the criteria or, you know, what the symptoms are for a disorder. With no, no, you know, with no type of literature or anything that's guiding that. So um, absolutely, like, it's, um, you confuse you know, content creators for experts, yeah, you're definitely treading in that dangerous water. Um, I mean, to me, it's kind of, but listen, we've been heading here for a long time, right? Because I'm sure you have encountered plenty of people in your everyday life that will confuse like life coaches for therapists, right? Um, And again, everybody can serve a purpose, right? But you got to know what you're getting from certain people or what you should be getting from certain people or the limits. Right. Um, because again, some people may look at it, um, you know, like that's kind of an overstep in terms of, Oh, well, you know, they're just on TikTok. What harm can they do? Right. But look at it. You get somebody on TikTok, they're ADHD influencer. They have 3 million followers. What if they decide to start selling water? Okay, that helps you with your symptoms. This is what they're endorsing, right? If they now, if this is a person with a license, you're not going to see that, right? Because they can be held accountable, right? But if this is an influencer, it's just like if you go outside your house and you want to take medical advice from somebody that just has a, a table set up across the street from your house that says advice. If you take medical advice from them, Good luck. You can't sue them. They don't have a license. Sorry. You know, and this is the same thing, unfortunately. Um, So that's why you got to watch who you listen to. Right. Because 
you know, um, if you take bad advice, sometimes you can't undo certain things. Or it might just cost you some money, you know, if they sell you something that don't work. And even just from speaking as, you know, a content creator or whatever you want to be called. I don't know what the technical term is, but even like when I'm doing my videos on there and. Oh, you're a content creator, man. You, you're a content creator. All right. I'll add that to the business card. You know? um, even when I do mine, of course, like if after I post a video, somebody will, you know, users or followers will, will ask questions. And by no means am I doing therapy through TikTok. Right. No, it's it's about awareness. And anytime someone will ask, and it happens fairly frequently, oh, well, I got this, Dr. Kyle, you know, is this this, right? Is this that? Is this, is this anxiety? Is this depression? This, you know, I'm like, it could be a lot of different things, you know, from what you're telling me, it appears it could be this or that. And my follow up is always, you need to see, you know, a medical professional. Right. I'm not diagnosing anybody. Okay. That's that's not the way this works. That would be irresponsible. That would be reckless. That'd be a lot of different things. And that's not, you know, the way I do things. You know, the platform is made for um to promote awareness about mental health, but by no means, unfortunately, you don't have people that go by that those same, you know, bylaws or have that same kind of integrity where, you know, like you said, they'll diagnose, they'll have all these different oh, this is this, this is that. No, we're not doing that type of information. That's irresponsible and that's harmful, you know, to people. So um, that's definitely one of the things. Um, now it talks about, you know, one of the benefits is that it makes, um, you know, strategies accessible and it also shatters the mental health stigma about it. Now, what I'll say is that that's definitely a positive because I feel like, you know, we're in this era where, you know, mental health has never been so openly discussed, right? I mean, awareness is like at an all-time high. And, you know, this has been the goal, right, for myself, for you, for other clinicians that we've been using, like, our platforms on our, you know, whether it be IG, whether it be Facebook, um, you know what I mean? Like, our, our goal has been educate people about, or general the general public about, um, about the prevalence and the importance of focusing on your mental health. So that's definitely a plus where I think we're at an area or we're in an era where people are more open to talking about it as opposed to 10, 15, 20 years ago where people weren't talking about mental health. Mental health was still taboo in a lot of different areas. Um, I think the thing is that, you know, we have to be careful, especially on TikTok, is that TikTok is a rabbit hole, right? It's like you got one video that's coming in like right after the next, right? And then as it relates to mental health, um, I mean, TikTok also has like a certain type of like humor, right? It's like if you have a disability or you have um, a mental illness, you know, you can, that's a place where like you can come to vent, you can come to joke, you can relate with others um, about the troubles that it means to like exist to have that particular disorder or disease. But we just really have to be aware as opposed to where it goes from destigmatizing whatever the disorder or whatever the, um, the issue may be, where it's not a situation where we're turning it to like also appropriation, you know what I mean? Because that exists. There is a mental illness and disability appropriation that people will take advantage of. I mean, you know, I agree, man. Um, listen, social media in general, right. has a lot of benefits, but there are limitations, right? So um, it's, I think it's kind of, 
it's no different than what people went through with like WebMD, like 10, 15 years ago, right? Like don't diagnose yourself from WebMD, you know? Um, and some people, we got to a point where people were like, well, don't even use it because it, all it's going to do is scare you until you go see your doctor, right? So again, um, I think TikTok could be good for general information, you know, um, but you want to always double check and, you know, you can't use it as a substitute for an intervention, of course. That's all I would say. Yeah, yeah, folks, man, they will go out and they'll, they'll self-diagnose. Like I've seen it, like in the thread, they'll go and say, I have this or I have this disorder. And it's like, no, you, you know, you. No, that's not the situation. You definitely need to support, you know, following that. It could be a good tool. Absolutely. Like I'm not going to, you know, again, you know, because I also use it. It's definitely a great tool, um, you know, for peer support, if you want to call that. Maybe, you know, online support um, of people sharing their experiences about mental health, which is hugely important. Um you know, especially if it's someone like high profile, like we've talked about celebrities when they go on and they share with their experience and things. Um, again, we just have to make it clear and we have to keep in mind that that's that particular person's individual personal experience. And it doesn't constitute as medical advice or expertise. Uh, absolutely. So, um, so what we'll say, man, like it, it's, um, it's growing. It's, it's a, and uh I don't know. You just got to definitely be very, very careful as far as, um, you know, when you're operating and you're seeing some of those posts. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, just got to be, you know, you got to be careful with technology. I mean, we all we all know, like, you know, it could be a gift and a curse, man. Sure. 2.4 billion views for the ADHD videos. That's a lot. I'm telling you, man, like I've seen numbers. You think I'm a celebrity? No. I, the numbers that I'm seeing as some of these other content creators, these other, these other, um, you know, hashtag groups, I'm, 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 I'm small time. I'm local. Hey man. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm the local bodega on the corner. That's me. I'm hey just, man. Local bodega make a lot of money. Yeah, you're right. We opening up another <laughs> Open on Sundays, Christmas and Thanksgiving, brother. Absolutely. But, uh, definitely, uh, speaking of which Jay, um, before we get out of here, Great holiday coming up, man. Um, focus on your self-care. You know, enjoy that food. Enjoy, um, you know, um, you know, spending time with the family. Um, anything else before we get out of here, good brother? Um, of course, you know, we just want to thank everybody that takes the time to listen. Um, want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving if you're choosing to celebrate and just remind everybody to, you know, prioritize your mental health. Absolutely, guys. So continue to share watch listen uh subscribe comment um please join the conversation at the black psychologist podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear what you have to say any comments or questions that you have for us um until next time like you said enjoy your holiday and uh wish everybody a good mental health all, all right, right brother. Man.